0: Uh-huh. Invest in and follow principles that has proved to be pretty successful. This landlord is going to make almost 2 million bucks over the next 12 years for doing something one time. Uh-huh. And that's like residual. This guy's got another seven retail spaces and he's got 10 stories of apartments above it. And I'm like, man, I'm on the wrong side of the coin, right? I need to own real
1: estate, not brokerage. You start doing deals that are absolutely life changing, like that puts you on the path for intergenerational wealth. Welcome to the Real Estate Home Runs Podcast. I am your host, Louis Van the Horse. This is a podcast for busy professionals who want to learn about passive income producing strategies that have helped others crush it in the real estate world whether you are a new or seasoned real estate investor this is the podcast for you mike Ealy, thank you for joining us in the real estate home runs podcast say what's up to my audience and tell us about your background what's up buddy i'm mike Ealy.
0: thanks so much for having me louise man it's great man i do real estate brother man we Start off doing single families. You know, some people call it house hacking. I call it getting a roommate. And then now they call it the burr. Man, I just call it getting a property and, and refinancing to get my money back. Right. And then I got into apartments, hotels, and development. And I wrote a book here from Broke to Millions, where we talk about how to acquire apartments how to analyze. That's kind of me, brother. You know, literally went from
1: broke to millions, man. And you started off with the house hacking. you want to explain also before we even get into it what house hacking is? I was on the phone with someone and they were like, house hacking, what's that? What does it mean to have a roommate? And why would someone (laughs) want to start with that? Yeah,
0: man, they coined the phrase, so basically living rent-free, buying a house was a two-family, four-family, and then of the other people, whether you get a roommate or you get tenants in the building, and they pay your mortgage and hopefully if you do it right they cover not on your mortgage expense but your taxes insurance and utilities and so the, the whole goal is try to live rent free and look you don't have to have a two family or four family you can do it with a single family house a lot of you uh, guys or ladies or even adults you buy a house especially out in california new york where that mortgage is astronomical you get you some roommates That'll pay $800 to 1000 each. And guess what? Now that $3,000 mortgage or $4,000 mortgage, you got two or three roommates that pay that. And now you're living rent-free. And so that's the old idea. They call it house hacking. I call it
1: get a roommate. That's great. And some people do it to take advantage also of the interest rates. Absolutely. Because it, it counts as a residence rather than an investment. Absolutely. Wow. So that's a great leverage there. So how did you get the real estate bug? Like I could tell you're a little passionate about real estate.
0: For me, it was when I was younger, man, I was about 15, 16, and I can't say it was there. I always had an interest of making money and I started seeing people make money and I just didn't understand what, well, how come these people can make money and these people over here still broke. Like, it didn't make sense to me. And then why is it that people could be billionaires and some people still got to work at nine to five? And as I started reading, I learned that they were investing. And really, I wanted to get into the stock market. And back then, there were junk bonds. Well, I found out about junk bonds, and actually, the initial investment was $50,000. You know, I was 15, 16 years old. I was like, I ain't got no $50,000. So I literally closed that book, put it back on the shelf. And I found Robert Allen, No Money Down, in the 90s. And that's where I started learning these different techniques on how to buy real estate with no money. And now, for me, I didn't act on it right away. I was 15, 16 years old. Almost 10 years later, I bought my first two family. And that was the beginning of
1: my real estate career. Okay. And now, are you strictly doing commercial hotels? Are you dabbling through single family as well?
0: Yeah, after I got that two-family, we worked our way up. I did a two-family, and that's when I was living rent-free, the house hacking in. I bought two four-families with another no-money-down technique. And then I bought another two-family that was next door to my first two-family I bought. I did that again with no-money-down. The, the owner held a second mortgage. And I did well, and I started buying more and more, but I was over-leveraging and that's when I lost it all. Literally, I went broke. I didn't have any strategy. Got evicted out of my own crib. Moved back home with my mom and dad. And I started all over again. I wanted to figure out how to do it. I started finding some investors. And from there, I started finding investors. And then I started doing single-family flips and was successful. And clearing, instead of a couple of thousand, I was clearing $20,000, dollars $50,000. And then... We went from, I was being successful now. It was like I shot bigger and then we started doing four families, eight units. Then we got a 48 unit. And then from there, it got bigger. And then the next thing you know, we had the opportunity to get into hotels. And here we are, hotels, warehouses, 300 unit
1: complexes. Just continue to push myself beyond our comfort zone. And you want to share anything about it? Because some people think like you were saying, oh, how do they make millions? And these people are working their nine-to-fives. I can never buy those hotels because I don't have the millions. How are regular folks, you know, being able to invest in deals like that?
0: Look, man, I had no credit. In fact, I had bad credit. I had no cash. I had no option but to use this no money down option technique. And from there, I still, and here's the thing, I don't care how big you are, people are still using these techniques. they still using other people's money, OPM, to be their investors. And they use that money, as they call it, syndication, to raise for the down payment. And, and it's that simple. So I didn't grow up around money, but I had to understand the money language. And that money language is cash on cash, internal rate of return, cap rates, Right? how to leverage the bank. And all these things were all things that you need, but one of the other things is being yourself. The reason I've been successful is because I just continue to be myself. And look, when I first went out to raise money, yes, a lot of doors got slammed in my face. I heard no so many times, I thought it was my second name. You know, when they said no, I just thought I was getting closer to yes, so I'll just keep asking more and more people. And eventually I learned what people were looking for. And really, when you go into a meeting raising capital, you're thinking that, oh, you have to be this person that's done so many deals and you have to have a resume and all of that's true in perspective but you just have to have the right team and associate yourself with the right people and because of that i was able to leverage my resources the people i worked with and when you talk they don't want to hear about you they want to hear about what you can do and can you pay them back can you pay me my money back are you going to lose it if it gets tough because people understand It gets tough. But what are you going to do? Are you going to keep fighting for my money? Are you just going to lay over and quit? And those are the things. We help people get to their investment destination. And because of that, that's why we've been successful in raising capital.
1: And some people don't know that they can use their retirement accounts to invest in uh, large apartment deals. Absolutely. And instead of leaving their money in the bank, which is actually losing money due to inflation, they're putting it to work getting a higher return. That was something that once I learned that, it was like transformational.
0: Yeah, no, man, it's transformation. Like, I mean, all these techniques people tell you shouldn't do, but yet you'll use it to buy you a liability, right? People's like, oh, man, credit cards are just for emergencies or when you need to buy some clothes or put something like that. But you could use credit cards to leverage for your down payment. I remember one of my first deals, I used the credit card to acquire the real estate. I used it, I got a cash advance for my down payment, and I used the rest of the money to do to pay the labor credit cards. You know, all debt is not bad debt. It's not, you know, you gotta understand there
1: is good debt.
0: Debt that creates income, cash flow, equity,
1: good debt. And that someone else is paying for you there you go
0: debt where you pay it and you going on shopping sprees and you're spending more than your cash flow that's bad debt you know hey you got to figure it out and so there's so many different ways life insurance policies and look some of you are like man i don't have a life insurance policy. i don't have a 401k well first of all you need to get one or two and second of all that's okay guess what? When you pitch in the investor, they may say, I don't really have any money. And they're like, well, do you have a life insurance policy? Do you have a credit card? We can leverage that to get into deals. And they're just looking for people like you and me to get them in a safe, secure deal so that they can get great returns.
1: Yeah. Would you mind sharing about one particular deal that you have liked or that you got some good lessons from? Walk us through how you guys were able to find that, funding. And are you guys still holding onto that property or the UK? Yeah, no,
0: plenty of deals, man. I mean, I'll tell you about an old one. My first deal I made a million bucks, just straight out. Like I made a million, but not straight on one deal. And it was a 40 unit I bought. And actually we bought it for like $20,0, dollars And we wanted to wholesale. You know, Neely was like, man, we could sell this thing for four or five hundred thousand dollars, make two, three hundred thousand in less than thirty or sixty days. Like, who wouldn't want that? Not and, picking up a
1: hammer or anything.
0: Yeah, not, not nothing. And then my partner was like, no, man, let's keep it. I was like, why would we want to do that? This thing is only worth six, seven hundred thousand. And it's like the cash flow, and, and I know how to manage it. And then at that time, we started what they call CCIM, Certified Commercial Investment Members. We was taking those courses, and we were learning about the value of the cash flow. See, back then, we were just looking like, ah, I think it's worth this because this is what I think it's worth, and it's in the hood. But cash flow, even though it's in the hood, doesn't matter. It's about how much cash it can generate, and that cap rate, and so this property we thought was only really worth six seven 700000 ended up being worth $1.6 million. And we were all in it for $400,000. I used no money down techniques. I went out and got OPM, other people's money, and they gave me a secured loan. They lend me the $400,000 at 11% with two points. And I was generating 10, 12, 10 or $12,000 a month. After expenses, so we were after debt. We were netting four to six thousand a month, and we created equity. And so we sold it, and I netted a million bucks just using these same strategies. And I continue to use these same strategies when we acquire hotels. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's widgets or gidgets. You're doing a business venture capitalism. It's all the same thing. It just so happened real estate is my widget and gidget.
1: Wow, so that's a home run deal there that you guys were able to do. What did you do to increase the cap rate on something like that? Because that's a significant difference from.
0: Yeah, no man, it was a matter of time and inflation. So when we bought, I think properties were selling at 10 or 11 cap, maybe at 12. And because we had just came out of the Great Recession, a lot of people, the market was pulling all their money out of the stocks, they stopped buying businesses. And they wanted to buy secure assets, brick and mortar. So they started buying real estate. And as that demand increased, the cap rate began to compress. Therefore, the value began to increase. So literally in a four or five-year period, we saw a cap rate go from 11 to a 7% cap rate, which was phenomenal, right? Because if we'd have sold it at a 10 cap, at the most, it would have been worth one, 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 two. But because it dropped all the way to seven, seven and a half, we got the web port six. And I was just like, man, this is great time. And then, hell, if I would have stayed with it, not only did the cap rate, the rent increased. I was only charging 500 for one, 600 for the twos. Now we just sold that, I think, 18. Three years later, now that rent is 900 for the twos. And 700 for the ones. Wow. That's a, that property is worth about $3 million now. Wow. So just to give you an idea, $3 million, if we would have held on. So if we would have held on for another two or three years, we could have got another million and a half. I just,
1: man, it was C property. I was like, man, we upgrade. I'm getting out of here. Man. Yeah. And people got to know their risk tolerance and what kind of classes that locations they're looking for. Because if you're in the hood for a long time, you <laughs> be getting a lot of maintenance phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. I ask all my guests this. What are three things that have helped you hit real estate home runs?
0: One, of my failures, man. I was like, oh, you know what? I don't want to do that again. So I avoid those. Really was a lot of my mistakes, man. I wish I could tell you. I did a lot of reading. I did surround myself around other people that were doing it. And because of their success, I was able to ride their coattail a little bit. You know, when they had a deal and they didn't want it, I was like, well, give it to me. And they'll wholesale it to me. And and, and that's created cash flow. And as we continue to work on things like now, because I have to watch them, I saw how they were grinding it out. And I saw, I was like, man, I don't want to work it like that. Like, that seems like too much. And, and how I would level up. And I was, you know, the big thing i say is surrounding yourself by other people that's doing what you want or more successful than you. I mean, because that just changed my whole perspective. I mean, look, I was making, I don't know, three, four 400000 a year. I was 28, 29 years old. And I was like, man, this is pretty good. And I started looking around. And first of all, but I was working. 16 hour days, seven days a week. And I would look back and reflect on other people. They were making double what I was making and doing less work. What are they doing? And then I met people that were doing larger deals, probably not as comp. Well, they were bigger. And the amount of work I put in for a single family, four family, they will put the same amount of work in for this $5 million, $10 million, $20, $30 million deal. But when I was done, I was only netting $5, dollars $20,000. When they were done, they were netting a million to $20 million a deal. And I was like, you know what? I quit. I'm doing these deals. Let's go. Yep. And you got the same problems I got. They property manager wasn't leasing on time, the real estate agent didn't sell. Construction didn't meet the time. So then they had to refund the sale contract, or people were breaking in, stealing copper. I have like, I got the same issues. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought you would avoid these in these high multi million dollar deals. Yeah, somewhat, but surround yourself by other people and always think big and know that you're more than average and you're deserving and you get what you put in you know some people are lucky man but they give man you just don't have to give financially you don't have to just give with your time it's giving effort to your business giving your all to your relationships your resources because my relationships of me giving back in deals guess what i gave to them like Let's say the commission was 2% or 3%. I gave the broker a tip. Sometimes I gave him an extra point just for bringing me a deal. And guess what? Now, yeah. whenever they got a deal, guess what they do? Hey, oh, Mike, yeah. I got another deal for you, brother. Because they know Mike's going to take care of him. so guess what? I work hard looking for deals. People call me because they know we're going to take care
1: of him and we're going to close. That's good. And building that reputation takes time. And if you have the right team, it kind of accelerates that process absolutely yeah so how can people stay in contact with you
0: you can reach out to me at nassau www.nassauinvest.com that's n-a-s-s-a-u invest dot com. you can find my book there if you want looking to be an investor if you want to learn more and take real estate courses you just go to our website and we'll take care of you man
1: awesome hey i appreciate you being here
0: Hey, no problem, man. Anytime. Call me back anytime. This interview and got some value out of it to help you in your real estate investing journey. If you can take just a minute, please do us a favor and leave a review, hit the like button on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to our podcast on, and subscribe so you can hear future episodes. Also, don't forget to check out our Real Estate Home Runs Podcast Community Facebook group, where you are able to connect with some great listeners. If you're an investor who is crushing it and want to share some information centered around passive income and real estate, please contact us. Hit those home runs and we will see you next time.